Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. The loss doesn't define you. It's what you choose to do with it that does. Welcome to the Healing Uncensored podcast. My name is Sarah Small and I'm a health and mindset coach for women with autoimmune disease just like you. I absolutely love helping you tap into your self-healing power, uncover the energetic side of healing, and release limiting beliefs around your body and your life. Think of this podcast as everything you wouldn't hear at your doctor's office. It's a place for empowered souls to move beyond food and heal themselves on a soul level. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Now let's begin. Hello tribe, welcome to today's episode. I just want to take a moment to just speak from my heart because the past week has been a hard one and I didn't even look on my calendar to see that I was interviewing Jen this Friday until the night before and it really happened in perfect timing and we actually had a a discussion after we pushed pause on the recording, pushed end and and just had a little bit of a chat afterwards and I was telling her that this past week has been hard. Thursday was the third year anniversary of my brother's death and there's just never the right thing to do. This past three years, we've come to this date and I've thought, oh, I need to do something special. I need to, putting myself into all these shoulds or coulds. And this year, I really did a lot of nothing. I was able to step away from work for the day and and really just tune into my inner voice and my higher self and feel and rest. I really, I needed to rest. And, And then we had this conversation, Jen and I, the next day, 
And it really was perfect and divine timing because we were able to talk about and really talk about in this raw, vulnerable, candid way what it is like to experience this, these emotions of grief, what that even means, and how loss can really rock your world. It can make you fall apart, but it can also help you rebuild. So I'm really excited for you all to listen to this conversation I had with Jen today. She is a beautiful soul and also a grief and life coach. So she holds not only the personal experience, but also this knowledge to help us navigate our grief and our loss, not only in the loss of a loved one, and you'll hear that today, but also the grief you may experience as you go through the changes, shifts in your life with autoimmune disease or chronic illness. So let me introduce you to Jen. Jen is, as I mentioned, a grief and life coach, and she is able to hold space and support women as they navigate through the confusion of loss to help them heal, come back to their inner strength and wisdom as they continue to get comfortable with their new normal. After losing her twins at 22 weeks six years ago, struggling with infertility, and then losing her daughter at 39 weeks this past May 2017, she also lives with Hashimoto's and at this point she took inventory of her life and she had to make a choice. And she found her new purpose and started loss in transition. And this was to create a conscious healing space for those who are grieving after loss. She is the proud founder of the nonprofit foundation that she has started with her husband in the name of her daughter, Marlo June Hepton Foundation, to raise money for cuddle cots and local hospitals for parents who have lost their precious babies. And if Jen is not coaching or writing or speaking about life after loss, you can find her teaching in yoga, hosting retreats, events, surfing Instagram, walking her beagles, hiking with her husband, and writing her book around infant loss. I know that regardless of whether you have experienced grief or loss in your life, you're going to enjoy this episode today. So let's dive in. Hi, Jen. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I am so glad to have you on today. And we have known each other for a couple years now and have quite a few things in common, but one of which is loss. And it's it's a timely week for me to be speaking mm-hmm. about loss. I lost my brother three years ago yesterday. But I'm excited to have this conversation with you, even if it can be a challenging one, a, a difficult one. So I just wanted to start with a little bit of background on you. Can you share with the listeners some of your life path and some of the things that you have been through? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess um, it all started when uh, my husband and I lost our twins which was about six years ago. And it's crazy how time flies, but um, we got naturally pregnant with twins, really excited, but, you know, starting around week, I guess week 10, we found out that it was um, identical twins, high risk pregnancy. um, They're sharing the same placenta. So it was turned into like one of the happiest moments of our lives to like one of the scariest moments of our lives. Um, and then it was just doctor appointments after doctor appointments. And then we, um, 
had to make the decision to terminate the pregnancy at week 22 uh, because um, of so many reasons. <laughs> and so um, that was kind of my first, I mean, I've, I've experienced loss through family members passing away. But, you know, there were my grandparents and my older uncles and aunts and everything. So that was something that, you know, was hard, but something that you were taught to, you know, that it's a normal progression of life. Yeah, yeah. But, eventually death is inevitable, but it's different when it's just seems like a life is cut short too soon. Definitely. It's like that out of order death that we have to, that we experience out of order um, loss that we experience, the unexpected, the, the really unexpected loss. Definitely. And so when we had to make that devastating decision, um, we started to grieve. However, I found out I had auto, I had an autoimmune disorder shortly after. I was getting really, really tired, wasn't sure if it was grief or not. Um, went to see the doctor. My mom was diagnosed with thyroid cancer at that time as well. And I was like, right, I need to figure out what's going on. And they said, you know, you have Hashimoto. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? So here I am grieving the loss of our twins, finding out I have Hashimoto. And then I also developed a DVT blood clot from the pregnancy. So I went from grieving the loss of our twins to straight okay, health concerns, um, uh, stressing about my health, trying to get my health back on track. And so that happened about six years ago. Within the six years, I, we tried to get pregnant again. And so it was that fertility journey, which is a loss in itself, right? The infertility and doing IVF and miscarriages. And then um, we did an IVF cycle with egg donor um, eggs. And we luckily got pregnant with Loie last year. And I was, Sarah knows, I was static. I was nervous. I was excited. I was everything in between. And um, less, sadly, uh, we lost her at 39 weeks. Um, it, I got, went into labor, rushed to the hospital, went to the hospital. And um, they tried to find a heartbeat, couldn't find a heartbeat. Um, I can remember that moment as well. It's like the nurse checked and then the nurse asked for another nurse to come in. And then that nurse asked for a doctor to come in. It was just a series of people coming in. I'm like, what is going on? Anyways, they told us that there wasn't a heartbeat, that she had passed away. And so I went into straight mommy mode and survivor mode and warrior mode and realized I had to give birth to my daughter. And so um, we gave birth, or I gave birth to, to Loie, and we were able to spend a couple of days with her in the hospital, which was really amazing for our healing process. Um, and then, so we stayed there for about a couple of days, and then, um, and then went home, and then went home without a baby. And that, I think, was one of the hardest experiences of my life and then the grieving the shock was kind of starting to wear out a wear off and then I went into the grieving process and so that's kind of like the story the backstory about you know how I've experienced loss in my life yeah I have a question for you so when I lost my brother um one of the first thoughts that went through my mind was 
like this disbelief that I would never see him again. And I was in Chicago. I had this like eight-hour drive back home, which was just like a living hell, of course. There was a lot of traffic. And I got back home and I found out that I was going to be able to see his body. And I was just overcome with this sense of relief, knowing that I would be able to see him one last time, even if he wasn't breathing, to be able to go into that room and hold his hand and, you know, give him a hug, even though he couldn't hug me back, was actually extremely powerful in my healing process. I think that if I hadn't been able to see him, it would have been a lot harder. So you said you were able to exp to have a couple of days with her. Were you just kind of holding her and, and was that the beginning of you starting to grieve? Mm -hmm. It was. I mean, I was still in shock as, as you are. Yeah. When you, when you find out, you know, um, yeah, when you find, <laughs> when you find out about, you know, the death and the loss and, um, that was a very, very important part of the grieving process for me um, because with our twins, it was very clinical. And so we didn't get time to spend with them. I went into an operation, it came out of the operation and that was it. Yeah. You know, there was no time to see them, no time to hold them. There was no keepsake. It was very, very kind of, you know, sad to say, but matter of fact. And so when we were able to spend, you know, those three days with Loie and holding her and we were able to dress her and my husband put a diaper on her and we slept with her, it was definitely um, very healing in so many levels because now we have that memory that we can hold on to. Yeah. We have that closure, which we didn't have with our twins now that we, you know, and we're able to have with Loey. Um, but I think most importantly, like you said about, you know, seeing your brother is that, that final, that final goodbye, you know, that, 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 that moment where you're like, okay, you know, I love you. I know you're in my heart. Um, I know you're going to send me little messages. I know you're here. I know your spirit's here and you're, you know, an angel. Um, but in that kind of, earth physical sense it was a great time to just have closure and say goodbye so that was very important in our healing process most definitely yeah I remember feeling just so panicked thinking I wasn't going to be able to see him and then getting that opportunity it just I think you know it was still really really hard in a different way but it it helped in a sense too to just have that moment to and even just seeing his body it was like he's not there anymore it, it's just his physical being but you could feel him in the room so even though he mm. wasn't you know, squeezing your hand back it was like he was in the room with us so I'd love to hear from you too Jen how you think that the grief that and the loss that you have experienced in your life which has been great and heavy <laughs> how has that effect affected your health mm. Yeah, so I didn't expect to have so much loss in my life, which is really interesting. And when you lose someone that you love, there's a period of reflection and you start to reflect on all the lo other losses that you have in your life. And so I was kind of in that place where I was like, oh, okay, so I've lost, lost my, you know, babies, 
miscarriages, you know, family members, but there's also that grieving process and loss of my health, you know, and, you know, autoimmune is, is definitely, there's a grieving process within the autoimmune when, you know, when you have chronic illness. Um, and so when we first, um, in the beginning stages of our grief with Loe, um, it was that moment of just pure shock. You're, it's, like, it's like you're a zombie in your own movie. And people are amazing. They're there for you. They're supporting you in the beginning. And then they slowly have to get on with their lives. And so you're left there with your grief and your loss. And you kind of, ha you have to pick up the pieces. And when you have an autoimmune disorder and you have to pick up the pieces, that's a different, that's like a, I shouldn't say different, but it's like an additional layer that we have to go through. And so in the beginning, in the beginning, to be honest, I mean, I just let my health go. Like you are um, physically and emotionally so exhausted that it is so hard to find the energy to take your supplements, to do what you need to do previously when you, you know, were trying to, you know, um, heal with your autoimmune, autoimmune or live with your autoimmune. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely the first couple of months, I was just trying to survive. It was just basic survival instincts. Like, and I tried my best to make good decisions. So like, for instance, if I was going to you know, breakfast. I mean, even cook, you know, how we have to make sure we don't have gluten and, you know, eat the right stuff. I just, I didn't have, I didn't have the energy to do that in my grief journey. So I was like, okay, Jen, how can you make this easier for you? Smoothies. Oh my God. I mean, I had to make smoothies and I just put everything in these smoothies. Um, because I was like, you know, I, first of all, you don't have the brain capacity to even Put anything together or do anything when you're grieving and then on top of that you've got your autoimmune um, brain fog on top of that so you're just like okay I'll just do smoothies and that's what I did I just left off smoothies friends delivered food um, and we ordered out you know and that's what we did to, to try to survive that first couple of months um, yeah. you know like in the beginning it's hard to even think about your autoimmune like to be honest thinking back to it I didn't even you know what you needed to do, you know what you need to do, but when there's grief and you're trying to kind of keep yourself above water, it, it was kind of pushed aside, you know, and it, and it, yeah, and it was compromised a little bit. Yeah, I, I resonate a lot with how you called like survival. Survival mode to me is exactly how my body felt after losing my brother. It was like, I didn't eat for three days. I, I had no appetite. I, I lost some weight cause I hadn't eaten for three days. And you know, it was like, everyone was like, eat Sarah, eat, eat, eat. You should be eating. And I'm like, leave me that fuck alone. <laughs> totally. my, my body is doing what it needs to do right now, which is saying we don't have fucking energy for digesting food. We are just trying to keep you safe and like, let you process. It's like, you're digesting a whole different part. You're digesting. Totally. You're digesting feelings and, and grief and you don't have time to digest freaking food. And of course, eventually I started eating again, but cause I love food. But at the time it was just like, no, my body is in straight up survival mode. And this is where I'm going to focus. My energy is 
feeling like the world is still a safe place because, you know, obviously the circumstances of my brother's loss were very different with suicide, right? And it's just like your world's like, it feels like the world is not a safe place because anyone could die at any minute. And maybe you, you do relate to that, even though the circumstances are different. But what... We're talking where we keep using this word grief, 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 loss, right? Mm-hmm. Let's let's kind of break that down into some more digestible words for people. What what the heck is grief? I, you know, so maybe some people listening have lost a, a, a close family member or a child or a grandma or grandpa or a friend, but some of them maybe haven't. So let's let's see if we can put grief into some more specific words. And Jen, if you could just let us know, like, what is what does grief look like? What does grief feel like in your body? And it's going to be different for everybody, right? It is grief. Um, grief has similarities, regardless of um, of who of how the loss has happened. But it everyone grieves in a different way. Everyone has their unique grieving experience. And you know, there's always that talk of you know the five stages of grief. Um, and it's not a linear fashion. It doesn't work that way. It's just a big shit storm. Like it is crazy ass shit storm. And so grief is, um, I guess the, the feelings and the emotions that you feel. So you're feeling angry, you're feeling, um, anxiety, you're feeling fear, you're feeling sadness, you're feeling jealousy. Grief is that emotional state that you're experiencing because you have lost somebody and it's usually and and it's not even losing someone it's it's that it's the loss of expectation and so we move into the into loss loss is loss loss of health loss of a person loss of a job um it's where our expectations are not being met so you're losing that you know it's um, yeah, there's so many different types of losses that we can experience. And we, we actually, um, experience loss every day of our lives, um, in little forms and, uh, we grieve also, but I think, you know, like my intention, um, being a grief educator and grief coach is to bring that awareness around grief and loss and take the shame away from it take the uncomfortableness away from it and so that we can create um, a collective a world a society where we can talk about grief and talk about loss you know um and so yeah so hopefully that makes sense you know the grief grief is like that that process the grieving process yeah it's definitely not linear like you said it's a (laughs) storm it's it's a roller coaster ride it's 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 being hit with this feeling in your gut or these tears in your eyes, literally anywhere for like no particular reason, except for that it's there. It just comes up, it sneaks up on you. That's, that's how I experience it. They're like, oh, okay, this is happening right now. And it's almost like, you know, you, you lose a little bit of the control of your emotions, which actually can be a good thing sometimes, right? Just allowing ourselves to feel and to express ourselves. So let's talk about loss in the context of chronic illness and autoimmune disease, which we both also struggle with. Not only have we lost loved ones, but also there's this thing that has changed and shifted our body. So 
have you ever worked with anyone or just in your own personal experience who also has this feeling of loss from chronic illness, like this loss of who they used to be and kind of adjusting to this new normal? Mm, yeah, new normal. Uh, yeah, I've got a few clients actually that I'm working with that um, have experienced loss um, with regards to their health, so autoimmune. Um, and it's definitely a grieving process. And it's interesting because when you um, kind of open that door to them or when you talk to them about that, you know, their change or their loss in health and you talk to them about it in a way of grieving, they're like, it's like an aha moment. You're like, oh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm grieving who I used to be before before my health has changed. And I'm like, yes. And when we realize the loss or the grieving process, then we're able to honor the grieving process and go, okay, this is what's happening now. And this is where I need to go in my new normal, you know, like, um, there's, it's, it's so funny. It's so, it's so similar, you know, it's like the denial, the shock, um, the fear, the anxiety that builds up. And then it's, you start to become more aware of, okay, this is my new normal. What do I do now? Like you have to redefine your life, you know? And a lot of women are like, um, cause I work with women, like, what's my, what does my life mean now? Like what's going to happen in my life, you know? And I'm like, not everything's changed in your life. You're still the same person. You're just a redefined person. You're just a different person. And so when we talk about the grieving process as we move from, you know, pre-diagnosis <laughs> to finding out, oh, I do have an autoimmune disorder and all those emotions that go with it. And then moving kind of, I always say out of that fog state, out of like that crazy maze into like, okay, this is my life now. You know, it's, uh, I find it's a lot to do about accepting and surrendering. And so there's, a, there's that, and it's uncomfortable for people because people are told to get over their grief. People are told to get over things. And the same with when we get, uh, when we have our autoimmune, when we find out we have an autoimmune, it's like, okay, get over it, you know, move on. And you're like, mm, no, <laughs> you know, you kind of have to create a relationship with it. Yeah. You know, if we push the grief away, if we push that loss away, um, it becomes harder. And then we hold, and you know, we hold it in, in, our, in our bones and our cells and our body. And so when we are able to honor that grieving process, create an awareness and a relationship with our grief and loss in terms of our autoimmune, then we create space to work with it and to live with it. And that's, that's kind of how I see the um, grieving and loss and how and that's what I do with my clients is how we kind of work through that process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've talked about grief being this like emotional thing where mm. this can hit you anywhere. And, but also this physical thing, like I described, like this feeling of survival mode and my physical body being like, no, we don't have energy to digest food. So I think it really encompasses your entire being, right, in these different ways. So because it affects you in this emotional and physical way, what are some of the tools that someone who's grieving can use to 
I don't even want to say like overcome grief because I feel like it's not something that should be pushed aside. It shouldn't be something that we avoid or try to dampen. It's something that we move through, something that we fully experience, but maybe some tools to help them go through that experience. Mm, And I love that. I love that, like moving through it. It's very powerful, right? Because you can't fix grief. You, you know, you've, you've experienced a loss. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're grieving that loss, but you can't fix grief. Grief is something that you'll have the the rest of your life. It just, someone had told me to get over it. I don't think anyone ever did that. (laughs) (laughs) I probably would have gone off on them, right? Like it's something that you, it sounds probably strange to people who maybe haven't experienced loss, but it's like you want to experience grief because part of that grief is also remembering and honoring the person that you loved. And so it's like you, you're okay with the grief, but you also don't want to be in it all the time. And so that's where I think like the tools you're about to tell us, like will come into hand to help people just ease a little bit of that pain. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. And, it, and, and, you know, grief does move from the jagged zigzag, shitstorm to like more of a round edge like it's like um and I don't know if you've heard this analogy but it's like you're in this ocean of grief and the waves come and go and you're bobbing along as best as you can and sometimes regardless if it's two months a year five years six years ten years all of a sudden this massive wave comes or this tsunami comes and it could be a trigger out of nowhere, like you're grocery shopping and all of a sudden, like for me, it'd be like, I see a baby and I'm like, oh my God, I start to cry. But the day before I saw a baby and it was totally fine, you know? So it's kind of like, um, yeah, finding the tools and the strategies to be able to almost like your, your life jacket when you're in this, this ocean of, of grief, because you're right, it can, the triggers can happen at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the tools that I've used for myself and the tools that, you know, I guide my, my clients and, and, and the people I work with are, um, number one is the awareness, you know, the awareness that you are grieving, the awareness of all the emotions that you are feeling, um, and knowing that it's okay to not be okay. You know, a lot of people fight um, against the loss, against the grief, and then that can create, you know, so much um, more loss, right? So it's definitely, definitely the awareness. Um, And then once we become aware of our emotions around grief, like for instance, my go-to emotion with grief was anger. I was angry at everybody and anything. I was always angry. And so I had to kind of create space around that. So I was aware of my anger. Where did this anger come from? Why am I always angry? And then starting to understand it a little bit more and go, okay, well, I'm angry because that mom has a baby. Where's my anger coming from? Oh, my anger is coming from the fact that I love my daughter, that I'm not with my daughter. So when we're able to create the space from the trigger to the emotion to the realization, that's where the healing starts to really, really kind of happen. Yeah. And that's a big thing. It seems seems hard, but I think um, it's that just that, like I said, the awareness of your emotion is really important. Mm-hmm. And also understanding that it's just emotions. And I know you talk about this too, you know, like we feel fear and anxiety and sadness and it's up to us what energy we put behind it, mm-hmm. you know? 
um, because it's not a right, it's not a good emotion nor a bad emotion. It's just an emotion that we feel. And that comes up a lot. You know, people are like, why do I feel so guilty? I don't want to feel guilty anymore. Why am I so angry? I don't want to feel angry anymore. And you're like, it's okay to feel angry. Obviously you're angry. Something bad has really has happened to you, you know? Because um, grief can be really, really confusing. So some practical tools and strategies that I use, and of course, grief is a process. And so um, once you start coming out of that fog and realizing that your life is different now, this is where it kind of takes place, the awareness of our emotions, but also, you know, the um, tangible tools. Um, so with grief, or, you know, when you're experiencing loss, there's a lot of triggers in, in the, your day, in your life. And it's being aware of your triggers and understanding why you're being triggered. It's not, you know, a bad thing. And it's also being mindful as you're being triggered. So for instance, um, you know, going into a coffee shop was really difficult for me when I lost Loie because it seemed like everyone was pregnant. It seemed like everyone had a newborn baby and I would go in and I'd feel angry. I'm like, why can I not have coffee in my favorite coffee shop? You know, it's not their fault. And I was just like, I had to take a step back. So you just become aware and like, hey, do I choose to go into this coffee shop and have a coffee and deal with the moms or be there with the crying babies? Or do I walk away and go to a different coffee shop? You know, so it's that sense of awareness and mindfulness. And so I just choose to go to another coffee shop. That's fine. You know, grief is painful and loss is scary. And you can choose, there's, there's choice. You don't have to feel pain. You don't have to um, suffer, you know? Um, so it's just making choices when you get triggered. Um, another one is my non-negotiables. And so my non-negotiables during the day, because every day is a different day when you're grieving. Um, my non-negotiables for me is, and I usually pick three, but one is meditation. Even if it's for five minutes, two minutes, three minutes, whatever I can do, I find a quiet place in my house and I just sit and I, and, and I meditate. Yes, sometimes um, my mind races and sometimes it's just about listening to my breath. You know, it's, there's no expectation, no, no attachment to what meditation should be. But for me, it was just starting the day with that helps. It anchors me in and grounds me in. And then my um, second non-negotiable is basically the smoothie. You know, getting my nutrients was really important, especially with autoimmune. Yeah. And my third is, is sleep and rest because grief brain is, 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 grief brain and grief exhaustion is a huge thing, you know. Like we, grief can really, really, really exhaust you. And it takes up so much room in your brain as well. And it's because we're on survivor mode. Like we eat, we shit, we pee, we sleep. Like you can only do those things. And so your body is, you know, supporting you in that grief process. Mm -hmm. um, and with the exhaustion, you know, it's your brain sending you cortisone, like upping your cortisone levels so that you can fight and flight, right? So you can be prepared. Um, and that's where, you know, the exhaustion comes in as well. So napping and sleeping whenever you need to is very, very important. 
Um, and just like just taking time. I mean, I, I couldn't read books for the longest time. So it was like audible. <laughs> it was audiobooks. It was Netflix. Um, so it was just creating space for myself as well. Um, so yeah, so I think, you know, for me, it was, it was being, is understanding that I have a choice when I get triggered. It's understanding the fact that it's okay um, not to be okay in situations. Like if I had to cry, I cried. Mm -hmm. um, my non-negotiables really helped me through the day. It anchored me. And sometimes I wasn't able to do all three. Sometimes it was just two. And that's fine because every day is so different when you're grieving. Um, and that awareness and space, but also the most important thing that I definitely want to share with everybody is being mindful in that moment. So you're like, okay, why? Like I'm crying. What is it about this crying? What's making me cry? Just being, just being aware of what you need in that moment. Cause a lot of people are like, I don't know how to self care. I don't know what self care means. And I'm like, really, it's about being mindful and listening to your intuition in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you need a nap. Maybe you need to go home from work a bit earlier. Um, so yeah, for me, those were the kind of the tools and strategies. And there's a lot of other ones as well. Um, and again, it depends on, you know, everyone's journey and what works best for them. Yeah. But it's yeah. process for all of us. I'm glad you brought up triggers too, and just being mindful of them, but also having a choice in them. Um, I mean, I'm sure you've heard this, a lot of people say this, and they, I'm sure they don't mean anything by it, but one of my triggers was uh, when people would say, oh, I'm just going to kill myself, or, you know, and they're joking, right? And it's obviously extremely insensitive, but I, I mean, it's been said around me from people who have no idea what I've gone through, right? And so that's one of those choices where I was like, okay, they're going to choose to have that in the, their vocabulary. That's, that's fine. Uh, I'm going to choose to not take it personally, right? And uh, not, that, not let that anger or upset me and instead just send them angels. Hope that they choose to take that out of their vocabulary someday and move on with my life because it, you know, it, it was just obviously triggering for me because it, it seemed so insensitive when you've actually experienced that. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of which, is there anything, so, you know, some of the people listening, I, I found that once I experienced loss, loss of someone I love so dearly, that I was much more easily able to relate to even one of my very best friends who lost her father like the year before and other people who have been lost people since I've lost my brother, to be able to relate to them, to comfort them, to, to realize that I love talking about my brother and I want to be asked about him. I want to have conversations about him. I want to remember him. You are not gonna make me feel sad or uncomfortable by asking about him. I wanna keep the memory of him alive uh, but people who maybe haven't personally experienced loss, I think there's a lot of discomfort that comes up around people who are grieving or sad or crying and they don't know what the hell to say. <laughs> mm. And, you know, I almost, I can't blame them because I think I was also that person at one time. And so do you have any advice for the people listening who maybe just want to be able to support and comfort their loved ones who have experienced grief or loss, whether that's a loved one, a child, or chronic illness? Mm, I love that. I love that question. Um, yes, there is so much that you can do, but I think the most important thing is to hold space. Um, to hold space for that person that's grieving and just to listen to what they're 
wanting to say or express, you know, without having to fix them, without giving them an antidote, without saying, oh, well, you know, things are meant to happen this way or, you know, just, just hold space, just ask them how they're doing and allow them to talk. That is the most important thing for someone who is grieving is giving, having that opportunity to talk about their emotions, talk about the person that they've lost. Um, it's huge and just holding space, which people do find, um, you know, uncomfortable because they, they love that person. They want to help that person. They want to fix what their pain and they want to fix the uncomfortableness, but just by listening to them and, and, um, holding that space is really, that sacred space is so important. Mm -hmm. And also asking them, how are you today? You know, or what, you know, yeah, basically just asking them how they're doing and also realizing that it's okay to trigger them. It's okay to say something about like, oh, do you, do you, do you miss your brother? Are you thinking about your brother? Like, it's okay to say that because, and it's okay for the grief, the person who is grieving to, to cry in front of you. Cause I think what, what happens with people is they don't want to make the situations worse mm-hmm. and they don't want to see you cry and they don't want you to be in pain or hurt, which is, you know, amazing. However, it's almost worse not to talk about the person that's passed away or not to talk about, um, you know, the loss because, you know, like, fuck, your brother existed. Your brother had a life. Your brother was, is, is such a big part of you. Mm-hmm. Same with Loie. Like she is my daughter. Yes. We didn't experience a first birthday or a second birthday. Yes. I'm not seeing her go to school. So we don't have those memories, which is a another loss on top of that, but, mm-hmm. um, but fuck, she's, she existed. She exists. Like I am a mother and I have a daughter and I have my twins. Like, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. And if I start to cry, that's okay. These tears are tears of love. Mm-hmm. You know, grief is another form of love. Yeah. And so it's just that I miss my little girl and I love her. And that's, you know, and so, yes, talking about the person that we've lost, mm-hmm. asking how we're doing, knowing you can't fix our grief, but holding space is very important. Yeah. And there's always this, I always tell like uh, my clients um, or the people I work with is look for your three, look for your three, three essential friends, your support system, right? Like one is your friend that will hold space for you. Just talk. Um, you know, another friend is your A-type personality friend who will, you know, run errands for you, uh, walk your dog, you know, do the things that you just don't have the capability of doing, mm-hmm. especially when you, you know you're grieving and you have autoimmune, you know, like they bake, they make you um, gluten-free cookies, you know, that kind of stuff. And then you have your third friend or your third support system that person that will take you out for a drink or that person that will go for a hike or just give you that escape from your grief. Because like you said in the beginning, like grief is heavy. Yeah. And it, and there's a lot of heaviness around that and it's exhausting to feel your grief 24 seven. So if you can find someone that, that you can escape your grief for just a little bit, half an hour, I mean, that's awesome too. So it's like those three kind of support systems that, that really help. Um, I love that. that. And I think it's so important to have that sense of community and support and tribe in your life Mm -hmm. with grief, with chronic illness, with autoimmune disease, all these things. It's so crazy how 
related they are. And you were talking about um, people asking you and it, you know, are, do you miss your brother? Are you sad today? It also opens this doorway. To, it gives the person you're asking permission to feel, permission to talk about this person. Because I think even as the, the people who are grieving, we don't, all, it's, it's like this uncomfortable on both sides of the road, right? Where totally. you're like, I don't want to make people uncomfortable by bringing up my brother. Well, if they ask you a question, it gives you permission to talk about it. And that's all you really want in the first place, right? Um, but there's this, there's so many different just intersections here between this loss of this, you know, loved one, this loss of ourselves and this illness that we, we grieve within us. And it can be addressed in so many similar ways. And you talked about fixing, right? And when you're experiencing grief, not wanting to be fixed, right? Like you just want to feel and express and move through those emotions. And it's the same thing with chronic illness. You don't want to be fixed. Like this is still my body. I still love my body. I just want to feel better. And um, taking away that kind of like verbiage of fixing ourselves and instead holding space the way you would for someone who's grieving the same way you would with someone who's experiencing chronic illness and having those three pillar people like you just talked about. You also talked um, in the, your notes before this about the 1% better thought mindset. What mm. does that mean to you? What is that all about? <laughs> I love this. Um, yeah, so when we're experiencing loss of any, any type, it's easy, to, it's easy to fall into this victim, victim mentality. You know, poor me, poor me, my life is shit. <laughs> I laugh because I've been there, done that. Um, and so... When we start to move away from the depths of grief and into, okay, this is my new normal, and these thoughts of um, these, I'm, I, it's like they're negative thoughts. I hate saying negative and positive, but that's just me. Um, when you have these heavy uh, negative thoughts, what you can do is just do a 1% change. So it's a 1% feel good thought. So if you're starting to feel really negative or there's like a story that keeps repeating, um, like for instance, I don't know, like um, nothing goes right in my life. You know, I've got my autoimmune, my daughter's dead, like, you know, there's just nothing's going right. This is where the awareness in the space comes in. You're like, whew, that seems like a really negative thought. Um, how can I change this into more of an empowering thought? So just changing it to kind of to a grateful position. So it's as easy and simple as saying, I have a roof over my head. I have water to drink. And once you start doing that, just, just 1% switch, you'll no start to notice in your body this sense of lightness, this sense of, kind of moving away from the victim, the negative, the heaviness into something that's a little bit lighter. Because as you know, research and everything, you know, when you start bringing in that gratitude and feeling of that, um, it changes you neurologically. So what you're doing is you're changing your neurological pathway. So you're moving away from that specific pathway of poor me victim and just that 1% shift constantly repetitively into I have a roof over my head I have I, my legs carry me 
I have water to drink, you know, it's very simple things, then you start to create new pathways. And these new pathways will start to become stronger and stronger and stronger. And then you'll start realizing that when these negative thoughts come, it's much easier to think of something different. Mm-hmm. So it's like a good feeling thought, you know, because when you're grieving, sometimes when people are like, think positive, you're like, fuck you. <laughs> so I always like to say it as a good feeling thought, you know, just yeah. shifting it just slightly, like that 1%. Right. And then that 1% becomes 1% on top of yesterday's 1%, which is like totally. three and then four. I love that you brought up victim just mindset as well, because again, I think that totally transcends between grief, loss, chronic illness. We're like, why me? Why did my brother have to die? Why did I have to have celiac disease? Why do I have to have fibromyalgia? Poor me, my life's over. Nothing's ever going to happen good again. And we can giggle, right? Because we've moved past that. But it's, it's, we've had those thoughts before, right? (laughs) And so I'd love to hear from you personally, what, just to give some of our listeners like a little perspective, and maybe they're still in that mindset. Mm -hmm. I get it. We get it. We hear you. We know what you're going through. Totally. Jen, what are some of the things that, it sounds weird if you, you're still in that mindset, but what are some of the good things that have come out of grief and loss for you? Mm, yeah. Um, when we have something traumatic in our life, when something traumatic happens to us, we have the opportunity to kind of look at the pieces that have fallen and pick up whatever piece we feel resonates with us. And so within loss, within darkness, within shadow, there are definitely gifts that you can take from it. There's definitely lessons um, that you can, that you can take from it. And I always say this, you know, it's the, the loss and the, the loss doesn't define you. It's what you choose to do with it that does. Mm-hmm. And so you do have the choice. I know when you're in the victim mentality, it is hard to see that you have any choices. But when you create space and awareness, you'll realize that you do have the choice. And so for me, I went from, you know, why me? Why me? Why is this all happening? Um to like, okay, you know, to be, to be completely honest with you, I just was tired of it. I got to a point of pure exhaustion. I'm like, fuck, like I have this life. I need to go come back to my why I need to find my purpose. And so when my daughter passed away, I was like, does she really want this for me? Does she really want me to be this victim for the rest of my life? No, of course she doesn't. My why is to parent her on this side. My why is for her to be proud of me. My why is to help other people who are going through this to find their purpose and meaning. And so I think the why and the purpose took me out of that victim mentality. And, and, I, came, and I came to the realization that I had a choice. And it's tiring being the victim. It's tiring saying, poor me. And then something just clicks, something in you just is like, okay, how do I get out of it? It may be social media it may be finding the support system that you need. It may be some, a word, something that someone says and you're like, shit, yes. Um, but for me, I just got to a point where I was exhausted and I was like, no, I have a life. I am 
this, this trauma, this loss has actually made me a better person because I can now really sympathize with other people who have lost and empathize with other people with other people with the loss. I can, I'm just more mindful. Oh my God. I'm just so more mindful of things. And the small shit doesn't bother me anymore. Like if someone's worried about something small, I'm like, girl, you gotta, you gotta get over it. <laughs> you know? So you come back to, when you've been broken to a million pieces, regardless if it's grief, loss, or your health, you have been given this opportunity to come back to your soul, to come back to your inner wisdom, to come back to your core being of who you are. And it is an amazing opportunity. And um, yeah, and there's a lot of like inner wisdom and inner strength that I did not know I have. And now I do. And I'm pretty fucking happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> No, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I think it's really amazing for listeners to hear like that there can be this positive thing that then starts to grow out of what you thought, you know, or was the worst thing that has ever happened in your life. Absolutely was the worst thing. Well, there's still this room for this little flower to blossom, to start to sprout and for you to gain wisdom, for us to see messages in our, our symptoms, our physical symptoms of chronic illness, or this to really reevaluate our life's purpose after experiencing loss. And you can see, you know, the two of us women talking right here have then made a career out of that inspiration. And both, you know, you you coach now on grief and loss and I coach on chronic illness and some of the energetic and spiritual and emotional principles that I would never, I don't think I would have ever found if I hadn't lost my brother. So I find deep, mm -hmm. deep, just gratitude for that part of experiencing grief and loss. And I think we can all, we can challenge our listeners today to look at some of the things that seem like these horrible, horrible things in our lives. And they, they're still allowed to feel horrible, but where's that little flower that comes up so that you aren't stuck in victimhood for your entire life? Because like you said, Jen, that sucks. That's, su it's, it's, it is exhausting. You burn out your adrenals and you feel worse and worse and worse. So where can you find that little flower in all of it? Mm -hmm. uh, thank you so much for joining me. We're about out of time, but I just want you to share with all of our listeners where they can find you, how they can work with you in the future. Mm, yeah. Um, no, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. I just wanted to say like when I first was trying to get um, pregnant, um, I contacted Sarah to help me through that. And it's really cool that now we're doing this podcast, but I'm very honored. Uh, so you can find me um, on my website, which is lossintransition.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram, um, Jen Hepton. And I also have an infant loss uh community support community um which is loey's dot hugs and that's my instagram account anything yeah. else you want to add jen uh no um the one thing is if you are experiencing loss and you have autoimmune know that you do have that inner strength within you to to find that light and and to move through i know it doesn't seem like it but we've made it this far. And so because we made it this far, you'll make it even further. So. Definitely. Uh, wonderful words to end with. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jen. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening today, Tribe. 
Don't forget to check out the show notes where you can find all of Jen's links and included are some of her freebies. So go check that out. And if you have a minute today, I would really appreciate if you can go over to iTunes, click leave a review and let me know what you think about this Healing Uncensored podcast. I love creating these episodes for you and having real, raw, authentic conversations that are staying true to being uncensored and really opening up more dialogue around alternative methods to healing, healing beyond food on that deep soul level. Thank you again for listening today. And I'll see you soon.